Um, we now are gonna move on to our time certain, which is where we're sitting as the direct procurement authority. Uh, it's item number 35. And if I could please have a motion to open the meeting as the direct procurement authority for request for letters of interest for RLI number N1337414R3, Broward County Convention Center Expansion Headquarters Hotel Project Step 3 of a three-step procurement process. There's been a motion and a second to open them to open. Is there all in favor signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed. Show the item, show the motion passes unanimously. I've, I'm now going to turn it over to Ms. Henry so that, so that uh, step three can be explained and so you can take it from there. Thank you, Ms. Henry. Okay, thank you, commissioners. Um, what, what we'd like to do um, today is to have uh, Mr. Cohen from my office um, walk you through um, uh, a synopsis of the proposal that we received um, from uh, Matthews and um, following um, our presentation, I believe they have a, um, a presentation as well. Um, and with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Mr. Cohen. Before that, uh, Commissioner Ritter. Thank you. Um, I, I spent, I just, I know that I, Mr. Cohen had called us all to have meetings individually about this and I spent an hour and 20 minutes with him yesterday on, over this and <clears throat> at the risk of embarrassing him, I just wanna tell you, Ms. Henry, that this is an extraordinarily complicated project with reams yeah. and reams of paper, and Mr. Cohen is unusually bright to begin with. Yeah. But in this case, I have to say that of all the, and I don't, I don't want anyone to feel badly about this, and I'm gonna embarrass the crap out of you right now, but so prepared, so educated, so informed, Questions are answered, you know, his an the answers are at his fingertips. I've just, I'm so impressed by his ability to take this apart and put it together for the nine of us, for me anyway. And um, just, you know, well done. And so don't screw up right now. And, and you know what, and, uh, and you know, I don't know if you know, he was also the mayor of Ithaca, New York. I don't know if you all knew that. Um, mayor, I, way, I would like um, to concur on that. Cohen, mayor, I'd like to concur Mr. on that. Mr. Cohen, it's Fusillo, Anthony Fusillo. Now, huge, that was huge. Now, uh, uh, Mr. Cohen, before you go, I just want to ask the county attorney, there are uh, a few audience participation cards. Um, I, guess we should, I guess we'll let uh, Mr. Cohen open up and then maybe bring up the audience. After. Because I think the audience definitely needs to be able to, uh, to, to speak on it. Because um, this is going to go, because I think your presentation is going to go longer than 1230. Isn't that right? The combined, combined. presentation. I'm, I'm going to be very short it would be appropriate to let uh, the developer present so the audience has an opportunity to okay. respond to what they say. Okay, okay. Um, before that, Commissioner Wexler. And, and I completely concur, but, and he knows it because I complimented the hell out of him yesterday in my office um, regarding his pre how prepared he is. Uh, and, and he also knows that I read the 23 pages of transcript for the April, April 1st meeting and every one of his questions, and he was spot on, and, and, and it, it was, was very <coughs> impressive. But as it relates to A, B, C, and D here, before we, and E, before we move into this, we have now done A, which is just convening and opening this meeting of this body to do this procurement. B is, I guess I'm. I, I guess I want to understand what it is that y'all plan on doing, because at some point we're going to get to motion C, which is the qualify the 
uh, the qualifications of the team. And I know I have a whole lot to say about that. And they may not like what I have to say about it. And there may be other commissioners that agree about their team. And if that's the case, then I will have gone through an entire exercise here and then put it on hold. So I, I kind of need to understand that procedurally. Because um, when we spoke yesterday, I was under the impression that we were going to do them in order here. And that these proposals, these presentations would be done after between C and D, not here at B, because B is really um, the, arc, the substitution of the architect to the team. If I might, um, yes, we did talk about that. Um, because um, item B is specific to the architect, yeah. and um, it is a motion to, to consider and approve, um, we did modify that slightly. What we wanted to do after um, speaking to most of the board members, after speaking to most of the board members last night, um, Many of them did indicate that they um, that um, Matthew Southwest is here. They br they've brought their team. They would like to hear what they um, what they have to say. Um, and uh, clearly, after those presentations from my staff and uh, Matthew Southwest, um, I believe they are aware that we have a number of questions that um, the board would like to to pose in order to move forward with C and D. I guess clearly I'm, I'm a I may um, work with you in the morning at 10:30 on Monday mornings when we have our agenda prep. Then you meet with other commissioners, and clearly that agenda changed during the course of the day um, because when I met with you at two o'clock in the afternoon yesterday, it was still, uh, you know, how are we going through this today? So somewhere yesterday you all made a decision that this was going to go forward no matter what. Actually, the presentations, but not C and D. C and D. So where is, so, so motion to consider revision to the developer's team. I know we changed those, wherever the Monday night memo is. We changed, here, I got here. It should read motion to consider approved revision to the developer's team, but that's motion B. Correct. So you don't want to do that until after we have a full-blown presentation? Is that right, Madam Attorney? The thinking that's developed is that the Commission has a number of questions about the team as a whole. And because the Commission members, and, and you don't know this because you haven't ha had an opportunity to discuss this among yourselves, right. the thinking that I understand the County Administrator to have had was that the stage would be set a substantial part of Matthew Southwest's presentation doesn't have to do exactly with the team. Their entire team is here to present, to set the stage, allow Alan, Mr. Cohen, to set the county side, allow Matthew South Southwest to present those parts of its presentation that it wishes to present, and then begin a full opportunity for the Board of County Commissioners to ask whatever questions it wishes to, express whatever concerns that it has to express, allow Matthews to respond as it can today if it is not able to complete 
those answers to the satisfaction of the board, then there's always the opportunity for a continuance of this conversation, a deferral. It'll be entirely within the board's discretion whether you ever reach C or D or not. If your questions are satisfied, your concerns are addressed, then you may reach C and D. The thinking was that this presentation sequence would give you the fullest opportunity to proceed in the way that you think best. Okay, and then at some point after we go through these hours of presentation, then if we decide, because right now we have not formally um, addressed the team at all, either contractor or architect side of it, so the one that they want to substitute isn't even here because we haven't approved it, so it better not be here today, right? In step two, the board previously qualified the team. But Matthews that doesn't has include for Ferrara, Ferrari, whatever that is. Ventress. That, that one that began with an F. Except yeah. for the new sub-architect. Correct. This architect right. is... So they're is not a part of the team? Not, not until you qualify Correct. them and approve them as part of the team. Correct. So, so we're going back to step two for that purpose. You may also go back to step two for qualification for any other member of the team that you're desiring. Seems a little arse backwards to me, but that's okay. All right. It, it, look, they're all here today, so I, I, I understand the courtesy of it, but the reality for us may wind up being something different. And uh, Commissioner Bogan has a has a uh, wants to talk about the process. No, no, no. I just want let them let, let them make their presentation. Can't hurt. Let's go. Okay. Uh, Mr. Kong. Thank you, Mayor. Um, Commissioner, you were true to your word. Thank you. Uh, and let me pay forward that embarrassment. Uh, I'll quickly uh, call some people and just ask them to stand. Uh, Connie Mangan, please rise. Carlos Puentes, Ariadna Musara, Jack Shim, uh, Namata Upal, Stephen Farmer, both, both in the back there, Rachel Williams. Uh, these folks represent just a small number of the total staff that have put countless hours into this project. And um, these folks have done just an, an incredible job and they represent each of their departments uh, in, in what has been a remarkable team effort to bring this forward to you and what will continue to be. I also want to recognize John Jordan in the audience who's representing the White's team. White's put together an incredibly talented and professional team that is doing us very well, uh, filling in gaps and uh, we're the better for it, and this project will be the better for it if we're able to move forward with it. Thank you all. Okay. All right. Uh, let's jump right in. Uh, so uh, I'm going to give you uh, an overview. Um, uh, Commissioner Wexel, there is some new information in here you have not yet seen. Um, but I'm going to go through a lot that you have seen, and I apologize for that, but uh, I'm also uh, presenting here for the general public as well. And I'm going to go over some history. I'm going to go over some information about Matthews you've seen in the past. Um, I'll review the technical design proposal, the financial proposal, and the Q&A. Uh, the vision for this project all along is to develop the site with an iconic plan that creates a sense of place, takes advantage of the waterfront, and creates um, you know, a first-class meeting venue. Our objectives were to bring a hotel on, on site with a 750 to 1250 key or room hotel, expand our convention center, and bring a variety of other elements to the table, retail and entertainment, public spaces, enhanced waterfront. Uh, back in May of 2015, we started this process uh, with uh, the step one solicitation 
and over the ensuing months have come to where we are today with Matthews submitting their proposal and staff uh, doing its analysis of it. We involved 16 different departments and divisions, uh, including some of the ones that are up there, plus the White's teams leveraged uh, expertise in areas we didn't have in-house in hotels, convention center, uh, real estate development, enhancing some of our in-house capability as well. We analyzed the project on the design side, uh, looking at uh, things like the project scheduling, their vision and design, innovation, and all the issues that come with it. Uh, we looked at their construction plan, the sustainability components of the plan, and their project management plan. On the financial side, we looked at a variety of elements. Some of the more important ones were their proposed rate of return, their debt equity structure, uh, their revenue and cost projections, et cetera. Uh, and we'll be addressing all of these things momentarily. The purpose of this meeting, uh, whether we move forward today or not, uh, is to evaluate the proposals that have been given to you and to determine if the developer has demonstrated the ability to deliver a quality product that meets the county's needs. It's highly likely that the design will change due to some elements that I'm going to discuss in a moment. That will lead to changes on the financial proposal as well. So you're not going to be voting to approve a specific design or financial proposal. You'll, if, if you vote to move us forward, it will be to allow staff to engage in discussions with Matthews on both conceptual design reconciliation and contract negotiations. And at some point in the future, we will come back to you with a final contract proposal and a final design for your review and approval. Matthews is a uh, to review privately held development company and uh, I'm sure Mr. Matthews, who's to my right here along with Mr. Snell, can do a better job of describing their company to you. Uh, they've done over two billion uh, worth of development work in the past few years. They're controlling in excess of 400 million in real estate and they've developed large infrastructure projects running the gamut. And I'm gonna point out a few of those momentarily. Uh, they've done four recent hotel projects, uh, the Omni in Dallas, they're finishing the W Hotel in Philadelphia, the Choctaw Hotel Casino in Oklahoma, and the Nilo Hotel in Dallas. The Omni is a four diamond rated 1,001 room hotel, certified LEED Gold. They're completing now the, the 300,000 square foot expansion of the Winnipeg Convention Center, recently renamed the RBC Convention Center, if I'm not mistaken. And they provided um, a lot of references on all their different projects, including their P3s, all of which were very positive. Uh, this is a picture of what's called the Bow. It's an office building in Calgary. It's a 68-story project in a highly constrained site in the middle of downtown Calgary, uh, very relevant to both the vertical aspects of our project and the constrained aspects. This is the Omni Dallas, very relevant to what we're doing, a thousand and one room hotel. Uh, and I'm gonna talk about the size of ours in a moment. Um, this is a lead gold facility. They've demonstrated uh, proficiency in, in that regard. This is a 61 story W Hotel Element Weston in downtown Philadelphia, which is meant to support their convention center. Uh, it is uh, in um, construction right now. Uh, gone a long way and again a very constrained site here. This is the RBC Convention Center in Winnipeg. If you notice all the way on the far right, those lights in that tall tower is actually an adjacent office building. 
this convention center is literally smack in the middle of downtown Winnipeg and is a highly constrained site, yet these guys were able to uh, produce uh, an excellent product. Um, here are some of the quotes that we shared with you earlier on. I'm going to glaze over them. Uh, you could not ask for a better partner. They're used to working on complex partnership deals. Um, my favorite, if you have a project with a lot of hair on it, these are the guys you want to be working with you, and they go above and beyond. And consistently, as I've reached out in the industry, I've gotten very good uh, remarks about these folks. Now let's talk about their design. I just was very laudatory about them. Now you're going to see a little more balanced presentation on the good and the bad. What Matthews has proposed is an 800-room hotel. Unfortunately, our paper of record uh, told our community that they proposed a 1,000-room hotel uh, with $130 million subsidy. That's not the case. We required as part of our submission process to give us your proposal and then extrapolate that to a 1,000-room scenario. But the 1,000-room scenario is not what they're proposing. They are proposing an 800-room hotel. That's what they're comfortable with, and that's what they've indicated the flags or operators that they've been in discussions with are also comfortable with. Um, they, they have proposed uh, a striking design, which creates a sense of place, creates the type of space that we're looking for and draws the water into the site. They've created some exciting areas at the terrace level and on the ground. The boutique meeting center on the top is an interesting concept that we're, um, uh, we want to take a closer look at. Having the ballrooms and meeting rooms at the same level between the hotel and the convention center is also um, uh, an idea that we really like and we'll discuss in a moment. They appear, based on all of our due diligence, to conform to what would be required for a AAA four-diamond uh, certification. Security measures, by and large, from the port's perspectives, um, are good. Uh, there are some questions that need to be hashed out uh, as we go through design. Uh, they've included many good sustainability components, and uh, the hotel is planned to be lead gold in excess of what we require at a minimum of lead silver. Uh, good connectivity between the different structures, uh, and they provided a good setback of the hotel from 17th Street. Um, now, the issue that our team, internal review team, was most uh, divided on was the location of the intermodal center. The positive of where, it is, of where they put it is that it's not on the center of the site, so that reduces site con uh, congestion, uh, it uh, improves site circulation, it reduces conflicts between vehicles and pedestrians. The negative that our team saw was that it was right on the waterfront and some felt that there was a higher and better use to that. Uh, also uh, on this picture, I'll point out a couple of other elements. There's a notch in uh, the seawall there that's unlikely uh, to move forward, I believe, and they'll discuss that, uh, given what we now know about Army Corps and Coast Guard um, uh, permitting uh, processes. The landscaping treatment uh, to the left of that notch is uh, not allowable because that's within the Terminal 2 security zone. Um, and the green space that you see between our expansion space and Terminal 2 is actually a thoroughfare for trucks, stores trucks that are supporting the ships on Terminal 2. So, you know, great um, design here. They might have taken a little artistic license in some of the things as they did with the green roofs, which are not necessarily organic green at this time, 
On the convention center side, that's something that we can discuss with them uh, as planning if we move forward and, and continue our discussions with them. Um, some of the issues that we had, uh, the biggest issue was lack of hotel podium parking. I'll address that in a moment. Uh, lack of the strong off-site co connectivity. The L-shape of the tower creates view shed issues. Uh, they didn't really propose any treatments for the entrances to the site. Um, they didn't really provide a lot of rectilinear or squared off meeting room spaces, which is important in the industry. They're moving an easement and we just have questions on how that's going to happen. Uh, and let me jump in and talk about uh, a few of these things right now. So here's again a, a picture of the site. Um, so the, the hotels on the upper right and then below that to the left is a convention center expansion space and immediately to the left of that the larger and taller structure is the remains of the Northport parking garage. Uh, their option A calls for building additional floors on that garage. Now we did some due diligence and thought that we could maybe uh, build two on there. They're suggesting three. That's going to take uh, additional uh, structural support and money uh, and that's less of an issue for us actually than the site circulation issues that are created by self-parkers walking from our garage over to the hotel, the valet cars going back and forth and again creating more vehicular pedestrian conflicts in the middle of the site. Um, we're, we're actually much more amenable to their plan B, but that would require um, uh, us to uh, have control of uh, the portside site, which at this time we do not. Uh, and I'll acknowledge, by the way, that Mr. Hudson has joined us and uh, is uh, watching our presentation today. So, um, so plan B would actually move um, both the parking and the intermodal to where the portside site is. Um, that's, uh, you know, an interesting proposal and one that, you know, could be looked at if circumstances changed. Um, the issue that, um, the, the way we want to get around some of their design concerns, we had asked for meeting rooms to be immediately above the exhibition space and below the ballroom. If we add meeting rooms on the second floor on our side, that would raise our tower by roughly 30 feet. That would be enough for them to raise their tower by 30 feet, and, and that's sufficient for three floors of parking. It doesn't address how they would access it, uh, how they would aesthetically deal with it, uh, what the footprint would be. There are a lot of issues that would have to be addressed. Uh, nonetheless, that's really important to us, uh, not only from the, the issues I brought up, but also because the current bridge that is spanning uh, the, the connection between our expansion and their hotel sits directly in the view shed of our existing convention center. And one of the things that we had pointed out early on is it's important for us to maintain the marketability and the viability of our existing convention center pre-function uh, space on our second and third floors by having an open view shed out to uh, the intercoastal. Uh, raising the two podiums would raise that another 30 feet and that would be more than sufficient to create uh, a much more positive view shed. The second issue deals with the view shed as I talked about uh, for the city's perspective. The L-shape configuration that you're looking at for the hotel presents a visual wall to the north and the west. And uh, we know that our uh, that the Matthews teams has, has heard this not only from us but now from the city of Fort Lauderdale. Uh, fortunately, the design that they've brought forward has some airspace uh, capacity in it, so to speak, 
The FAA limit uh, is still 50 to 70 feet away, depending on how many floors um, uh, you're looking at with an 800-room configuration. That would be enough to go higher and narrower and perhaps split the L into two towers. We're not telling them how to do it, but clearly this is an issue for Fort Lauderdale that would need to be addressed. Um, the lack of offsite connectivity, the treatments, and the rectilinear space are all important issues for us. The connectivity deals with pedestrian and bicycle connections and, and just the welcoming uh, to the site. These are all things that we're pointing out to you but can easily be addressed in design. Um, the easement issue is something that we would talk to them about in ongoing discussions if we move forward. Um, on the financial uh, proposal side, uh, most of what they proposed is within industry averages. We've provided you a dashboard to back up some of that information, and we've leveraged expertise in the uh, hotel and convention center industries uh, to uh, verify this. What's interesting about their debt equity structure is they're proposing 100% equity. Um, that's all well and good, but our subsidy is predicated on that 100% um, equity. Uh, and so it raises the cost of our subsidy. If they come back later and leverage the project and bring in some debt, uh, that's something we would want to talk to them about uh, during our discussions. Um, the subsidy represents 30% of the cost of the hotel. That's something else that we, of course, would want to discuss with them at the table. Uh, the pro forma talks about potential income streams from ground lease and property tax. To date, there is no um, proposal for a share of revenues from the hotel. Again, that's something uh, that we would talk about at the table. One of you asked me during the briefings about why are we providing a subsidy, and I thought it was a question that merited discussion before all of you and the general public. And there, there are two um, compelling reasons why. While we consider ourselves a strong market, and we happen to have the highest occupancy rates in the state of Florida, we don't have the highest average daily rates. And there are other communities like Miami Beach that enjoy significantly higher rates. So if you're building a hotel in Miami Beach as they're planning, or New York or Chicago, or these larger markets, you can bring in enough revenue that you don't have to look to the government to make up the difference. In our market, uh, for example, I, I threw some numbers up there for you. They're, they're projecting a net operating income before some of the expenses listed there of about $28 million. The same property in Miami Beach would probably bring in around $48 million. And that's because Miami Beach, as compared to Fort Lauderdale, is over $100 a night more, their average daily rate. And if you take $100, multiply it by 800 rooms, times 0.7 for 70% occupancy, and multiply that by 365 days, you're in excess of $20 million. And that's your differential between the $28 and the $48 million. And that's why you can do a, pro a project in Miami with no subsidy, but one is required here. The other reason is that there are four diamond properties being built, but they're all being built on the beach. We're asking for a property to be built a four diamond in a location that's not as attractive. It's necessary for our purposes to create a viable convention center that will attract the larger meetings that we want to bring to our community. But we need to incentivize that to bring that type of property to where we are. Uh, we're not in position to move our convention center over to the beach. Uh, in conclusion, um, there are pros and cons. Staff is bullish on this proposal. Um, we're not going to make a recommendation to you on how you should vote, 
We're just going to tell you that we believe this proposal has merit and is worthy of your consideration. Uh, with that, I'd be happy to entertain any questions, or I'll turn it over to our friends at Matthews. Does anybody have any questions for Mr. Cohn before we turn over to Matthews? Ms. Henry, you have your microphone yeah. on? Do you? No. Commissioner Holmes. As, as it pertains to the subsidy, we will also be generating revenues over time that would offset that subsidy, that it, at some point in time, become really neutral. Uh, it, it, uh, and it's a good question, uh, Commissioner. Um, yes, we potentially will be generating uh, revenues, and that all depends on the final deal structure. The developer did put forth in their proposal that they thought that we could cover the cost of bonding the proposed subsidy with the revenue streams that they foresaw, but there was, um, uh, they, they were looking at what the average for county revenues are across the country, and in Florida, counties collect uh, a lower percentage of property tax as compared to other jurisdictions than counties across the country do. And so we would not, between the property tax revenues and the ground lease that we projected, we would still be short about $1.5 million of the $6.1 million um, payout that we were, we were looking at per year. Okay. Yes. But, okay, but again, that, that can all be discussed, and there are different ways to address that. Right. And, and on the other side of that also is uh, the fact that we become competitive again in terms of a convention center uh, destination uh, compared to, say, Orlando that, that is doing stuff. And, and the other question for you is this. Uh, you didn't present here any anal analysis as to what other areas that have built convention center hotel and the subs subsidies that they might have uh, put in place. I know uh, that in Washington, D.C., for, the, for their new convention center hotel, a sizable amount of uh, subsidy went into that, and that gave them some leverage in terms of ensuring local uh, workers, local contracting opportunities, uh, and, and, and at the end of it, that there were local businesses that were given opportunities to operate within uh, the space that was created. We can, uh, we can share some information that we've collected with you and the rest of the board regarding what's happened in other communities and regarding support for local businesses and whatnot. Matthews has already committed to the 30% target that we've established. They're interested in working uh, with our local businesses. And, and I'm sure they look forward to talking about that in more detail at the table if we move forward with this project. It's an important point to raise, and, and they can speak to it themselves okay. uh, when they get up. I'm also talking about post-construction. Yes. Not merely in the construction, but in terms of the operational La yes, opportunities for uh, retail, uh, entertainment, uh, restaurants, and, and those other uh, generating uh, uh, income and generating uh, opportunities. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Lamarca. Alan, just, I had a question similar to what Commissioner Holmes started, the path he started down, and that was with regard to, I get the numbers in comparison to Miami Beach, but they put it on the ballot to, to vote for a hotel, and, and they, they, the folks said no to it. I mean, so us comparing it, even the, even the proposers or developers comparing it to Miami, I get the, I get the number uh, portion of it, but... Palm Beach County actually got one bill. And, you know, if we, if we look at where we are number-wise, I get that it's not our beach. It's across the way. I mean, um, but with respect to, you know, what is the one thing we have that they need to, you know, anybody needs to build this, this property and as well as the adjacent property? 
it's our, it's our land. I mean, I, we, we can either do as you were going down the road of make it, making, the, uh, making the subsidy upfront issue, or we can make it uh, an issue where we, you know, the land is our, our piece of the, of the puzzle. So I guess in comparing to, to Miami, you're, you're right. <clears throat> By the same token, when prominent developer was up here last year for, the, for a boat show to talk about uh, construction development in Miami, saying that they're getting 15, 1500 bucks a square foot to build condos there and we were getting five to seven now we're getting 15 here and, and, and I don't I don't know that we want to I don't want know that we want to say hey we're a really good deal and next thing you know everything's very expensive but by the same token uh, the the average daily room rates will change after the after the I understand that there's market data but they they could change after this is built and this market becomes more viable now we we project rates to go up and and that's part of our long-term pro forma um, we also expect theirs to be going up as well. Regarding the Miami Beach project, a healthy 58% of the electorate voted in favor of that project, but they had established a 60% threshold in the prior election for referendums like that. Mm -hmm. and, and that was mired in issues relating to the height and the traffic mm -hmm. in an area that was much more sensitive, a block and a half from the beach and surrounded by neighborhoods. Not that this, this convention center doesn't have adjacent neighborhoods, and I can tell you from two different meetings I went to yesterday, you know, it's, it's top uh, of the minds of many of our residents, uh, but we're working collaboratively with the city and with others to come up with a variety of different solutions to address those concerns. But the comparison to Miami Beach was more on, specifically on dollars. the financial side and the strength of the market uh, and, the, and the dollars that one could expect to generate from the property. All right, I appreciate that, and I appreciate your work on this. We've, we've spent a lot of time together. I will say that Commissioner Ryan and myself uh, represent the neighborhoods to either side of, of, uh, of the center, and they're all supportive as much as they can be on additional uh, traffic and additional activity in the area because they understand this, separate from any other development or any other construction in the area, is something that has to get done. Thank you. Now, uh, with that said, I think Commissioner Wexler has a, a quick statement I, she wants to make, I, I and then we're going to go to Matt. I truly, respectfully, colleagues, suggest that we reserve holding our questions until we hear from Matthews. And, I mean, you know I have questions for you. Yes, ma'am. But ma I think that <laughs> many of them may be addressed in Matthews' presentation. And then I'll be more prepared to put my questions out there after we hear from them. And I think that's a really prudent way to proceed. I agree. Um, with that said, uh, Gentlemen. Matthews, uh, feel free to take away. And just to let everybody know for reference purposes, at 1230 we are going to break for lunch. Well, thank you for, uh, for having me. I'm Jack Matthews, President Matthews Southwest. As, a, um, as we go through a lot of different proposals, a lot of different uh, deals from offices to hotels and, and other things, and I've, we've been very impressed with the team that's been assembled here in the, in the county and the intelligence of the questions being asked of us and the, uh, the entire process uh, or process. You'll notice sometimes I speak a little Canadian, so you have to forgive me for that. The, um, but we've been very impressed, and, and we truly try as a company to um, under-promise, over-deliver, and it, um, it's really something we try to do, and, and this is a, it's a challenging site, but a, but a good site, and um, I'd ask uh, Dave Snell, Vice President Matthew Southwest, to uh, introduce the team. Thank you, Jack. Um, 
Governor O'Connor at this point. <coughs> oh, okay. Um, thank you, Jack, and, and thank you all for allowing us uh, this time to present. Um, up on the slide you'll see, which is, is part of the proposal that you all received, is a um, simple org chart on how we have set up uh, the structure of this deal for the purpose of the submission. Um, with Matthew Southwest and Swirdling and Ryder Lovett being the development and project managers for the, for the project, um, our uh, design build contractor um, with our submission is Tudor Perini. And as a result of setting this up as a design build, uh, we have the architect, uh, VOA, and Fentress um, as their advisors, uh, reporting up to them, and then all of the subconsultants. Uh, of which, of the 13 listed there, we probably have half of them who are local to the Tri-County area um, as part of our team. And again, they would be contracting directly with either the architect or the uh, contractor of choice. And then below that would be all the subcontractors, um, again, both uh, local and um, within the Tri-County area. Um, at this point, I'll bring up uh, Mark Pratt, who is uh, with VOA Architects, and he will walk through uh, our goals for the project. Thank you, Dave. Um, good morning, Commissioners, and thank you for having us here today once again to present our vision uh, and hopefully... Yeah, I'm sorry. Here, let me get a little closer. Hopefully that'll help. <coughs> Would somebody in the back please turn the mics up a little bit? Hello. Or the volume up? There Is that go. better? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> thank there you. We go. Okay. Th thank you again. Can you hear me now? Okay. Um, thank you for, for having us here once again to present our vision uh, and hopefully meet the goals of Broward County and also the commissioner's uh, vision on what this uh, expansion could be. So when we received the RFP, uh, some of the items that we picked out and the goals for the project were to create an iconic destination establish a world-class convention center expansion and headquarters hotel, integrate with surrounding community, create a sense of place, promote multimodal transportation, and encourage sustainability design. And I think what you're going to see here and what we're going to talk about very briefly, because you've seen a lot of this, is just kind of an overview of how we created that. I'm going to ask Chris to come up. Chris is our design principal to work very close on the design, and he'll be able to walk through it. Um, so we're presenting this. Can, can you hear me? Thank you. Everyone says I talk too softly, so please don't ask me to speak up if you don't hear me. Uh, and we're certainly honored to be here to present this. Um, could, could you state your name one more time for oh, Commissioner Bogan? Christopher Grosbeck. Thank you. Uh, VOA Associates. Thank you. Um, so what we've done is we've sort of grouped our presentation along your goals uh, to speak about how we are meeting your goals in the overall. And, of course, uh, there's many ways to meet those goals. Uh, to start out with, to create an iconic destination and create a sense of place, um, I think our teams have been involved with creating these types of places, not only within the United States but all over the world. Um, but whenever we go into a place, we try to understand the place. And, uh, and when we think of Fort Lauderdale, we think of this really great connection with the outdoors um, and this sort of beautiful sense of the great horizontal of the ocean. And then whether it's the, the beautiful cruise ships, the, the beautiful sailboats and, and motorcraft, or even 
uh, the sculpture in front of the convention center, the sailfish, uh, the idea of this sort of direct connection with nature um, and this sort of contrast between, if you call it the vertical of what we make and the great horizontal of the beaches and, and the waterfront. But we also think when you say iconic sense of place, of what really creates an iconic sense of place. It's really public space. It's public space with activity. And this is what we've done in Navy Pier. This is what we've done in many other places in the country. And I've just showed a picture of Rockefeller Center. Cannot think of a more iconic place. Why? Because it's a series of connected spaces and it engages social activity. And this is what our goal was to present, was to create an iconic destination which is based on the quality of its spaces that interconnect on the exterior and having then a direct connection of those spaces to the interior. So you always felt that you were not only connected within the larger convention, that we took advantage of the fact that you're building the convention hotel and the convention center at the same time, which is a great opportunity to align the functions of these facilities that would not only enhance the operations of each other, but would also, we believe, greatly enhance your market opportunities in the future because this is supposed to be an economic engine and we want to design this functionally so that it really achieves that goal. Um, and part of our shaping of this, uh, both the emphasis on the waterfront, the emphasis on the space between the two where we have our pre-function and our circulation so people see each other and they engage each other. We have retail and cafes and restaurants on the ground level. We have the meeting room functions on uh, the second level for the hotel and then we interconnect the third level uh, where the ballroom space and the great sort of meeting spaces and yes, we do have a bridge that connects that. We believe that there are the shows out there that will want to use all the space at once uh, and that this makes it from a wayfinding standpoint and from a sense that you're in the right place, supremely and elegantly functional. And above that, what we've done is we've actually extracted the meeting room component and put it on a landscape terrace level for the convention center. Sort of not burying the meeting component within a big box, but bringing it up so it can have both indoor and outdoor opportunity, a view of the ocean beyond, and it also becomes its own little boutique conference center. At the same token on the terrace, we have a course uh, for the hotel. We have recreational areas that will still be used by corporate suites and people like that for conventions. It really makes a great venue that you can not only have this great sort of public space on the waterfront with access directly to the waterfront, but that that space rises all the way up to the complex. And as you can see, as we're talking about the grade level, um, yes, you'll be looking under a soffit from the existing convention center, but from the first and second floor, you will have a direct view all the way up to the water here. And we can actually demonstrate this in our perspectives. Um, and it was important to us as we were talking about the intermodal not to have all this traffic there because if you're going to create an iconic destination, you cannot be bringing buses and trains and everything in that space. Iconic destinations relate to pedestrian connectedness and this is what we've designed. Um, and even from 17th Street as we sort of lift up the entrance to this, we recognize the fact that this convention center has very little presence. You don't know where it is until you finally get there, okay? 
we wanted to create that presence and we wanted to make it strong. Um, but we also wanted to say something about, you know, the cruise ships. We wanted to say something about this sort of this great sense of connection to the water. So, you know, and even along 17th Street, we have landscaped this and we've created sort of a large sort of connection visually to the lobby of, of our hotel. And then from the waterfront, uh, I know the notch had been mentioned. We had an intent that boats go there, but that it kind of brought sort of this continuous sort of water all the way to the waterfront, connecting waterfront and the water to the interior uh, of, the whole, uh, of the convention center complex. Now, when we say establish a world-class convention center expansion and headquarters hotel, really to us, this is functionally how this works. Um, and as you know, of course, we have placed the hotel to the north and the convention center to the south adjacent to the existing parking garage. Um, and as mentioned before, uh, we've located within the parameters that the RFP has given us, the intermodal uh, at the end of 17th Street, right on the waterfront. But please note that there is a tremendous amount of waterfront area for a park there. Um, as we were building up our, our um, function, we have, of course, the drop-offs in the hotel, and we have the drop-offs for the convention center, the pre-function areas that serve the 75,000-square-foot exhibit hall. Connected to this on the second level, we connect directly to the um, existing convention center uh, where we have our major sort of meeting room level for the hotel on the second level. And of course, we are in the, if you want to call it the space of the exhibit hall, uh, which is double height space, which we get to our third level. And as we said, we uh, included our major ballroom space at this level with back a house to the north and to the south, the way it should work pragmatically uh, but this great interconnection here between major meeting space, which we think is very, very unique, okay, uh, for convention centers and for this area in particular, which we think will be, have a high marketing value for this location. Then, of course, as we spoke about before, and yes, I heard the comment about the meeting rooms not being quite rectangular, but they can be in the final. Um, but we want to really engage this conference center and our hotel with the exterior up high where we could see the ocean, again, giving and leveraging the advantage of place here. Um, and then, of course, uh, we have two levels to that, and then we have the upper uh, tower levels of the hotel. Um, again, what was important to us is to have this strong alignment between the levels of the hotel, as you can sort of see in our section, and with the convention center. In, in these sections so that they seem like they were designed as one facility. And let me emphasize, that is a great opportunity of this project. Mike, you back there. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up is that we, uh, as VOA, I know on the org chart there were some questions about Fentress. Uh, we, as VOA, are the architect of record design architect, and Fentress uh, operates as a consultant under us for the convention center side only. So I just wanted to make that clear. And, and secondly, there is a short video uh, that, that our partner has brought about Fentress to give you a little more background if you would like to see that after we go through our presentation here. So uh, what we're seeing here is the connecting bridge, and I think the unique thing about this is, and in, in, I travel quite a bit in my work as the hospitality director for our firm. Uh, we have offices all over the world, so it takes me to different places. I think this connecting bridge and connecting the spaces, as, as uh, Chris had mentioned, 
what this shows is the bridge connecting at the ballroom space. Uh, so it creates this great uh, connectivity between the two spaces, but yet a great opportunity to look out the glass, look at the water, and experience the, the, uh, the uh, waterfront. What this shows is the connectivity and how we're reusing some of the public art, which was part of the RFP. Uh, so we're taking the public art that will be demolished in the existing connect connections and reusing those uh, in the connect in between the uh, convention center and the new convention center. And this particular slide I wanted to bring up and talk about how we're actually bringing the waterfront and the exterior into the public spaces and into the pre-function areas of the exhibit hall. Again, connecting the outside and the outdoors and what people truly come to Florida and Fort Lauderdale for is to be outside. This is just an example of ballroom space. Again, it allows, and, and what everyone is looking for in today's ballroom and convention centers or, or exterior views and ability to uh, bring the outside and the environment into the space. One more shot of this exhibit hall at the first floor, um, just giving you again uh, a vision and a visual of how it connects to the waterfront. The amenity space is very unique here. Um, I, again, I've traveled to many and been and spoke at many conventions, been at many conventions, and the, the opportunity that this gives us to be on the water and create this experience is fabulous, right? So we have an infinity edge pool that creates a beautiful amenity space. Again, for corporate functions, corporate events, the ability to, to rent this out. Thank you. Uh, we're now uh, looking at uh, integrating with the surrounding community and promoting multimodal transportation. Uh, but what I'm going to do is ask uh, our consultants, Matt Herman from Bureau Happel and, and Daniel Nall from Siska Hennessy to come up. They represent um, firms that are doing leading, leading um, design and research on sustainability. Sorry, I wasn't feeling well this morning, so I, <laughs> Kashid, first we're going to talk about transportation. I, I, I apologize. Here you go, Kashid. Thank you. Uh, I'm Kashid Hoda with Kimley Horn and Associates. Um, so three points I wanted to point out that the intermodal is located uh, along 17th Street, which is the intent is to meet uh, the RFP requirements but also to keep the traffic away from the core of the expanded uh, convention center. Um, the advantages, certainly it minimizes pedestrian and vehicular conflict where we would have most of the pedestrians activity. Um, overall, the traffic conditions uh, would work here. I mean, um, we have looked at those, we have looked at the options and we have also um, are studying some of the other ways to minimize traffic congestions, including um, putting some technologies to facilitate the parking entry and exit to the parking facility. Um, Along with that, um, we're talking about connectivity to the community um, and we're within the realms of the RFP. Uh, we'd like to say that um, we have 
looked at this and first of all we thought it was important to emphasize the waterfront because when you have a waterfront location you got to make that powerful um, but we still as you can see we are still looking at pedestrian traffic that comes up 17th Street really on both sides and your greatest connectivity is really going to be to the north to the hotels of the north the the community the residential community is almost a mile away in terms of how they have to walk and through Seven, uh, 17th Street, which is a lot of you know, you know, commercial structures and malls and and parking lots and things like that, fairly exposed. Um, and so, as we work with you, work with the county, work with the city, um, we will be listening to those issues of connectivity. Um, but we believe that with our ground floor, with our great opening and great lobby entrance, which we're treating as a plaza to the hotel to the retail that we've put on the ground floor with all the activities that would involve the community, okay? And there's more activities within this complex that really do involve the community. Our idea is that it not only serves the conventions and conferences, but this becomes the living room of the community. Because we realize that a project like this is, of course, enhancing your convention center and enhancing the marketability, but it's really to make a better city. And that each of the projects we look at, its impact on the city, and we believe that as we develop this project, we'll have that type of connectivity, that type of activity, that everybody looks at this as their living room for the city. Um, but there's also opportunities, we think, to really enhance some of the existing infrastructure that's next to it by sort of making it more, more alive, more livable, much more something that would be the pedestrian interest. In this case, it's just lighting the underside of the 17th Street Bridge, which is really a great space when you go out there. It's, it's a parking lot right now. But it's these types of things that we would look at and how we could connect better to the community. Um, now we'll talk about sustainability. Um, and I, again, call, call my uh, colleagues up. Um, one of the things I'd like to make uh, it clear though is that when we look at sustainability, we look at all of its aspects, not just a checklist for lead, but all of its aspects of how this performs now and in the future. So this team brings very strong sustainability credentials to this project. Among the members of this team, I think we've been involved in dozens of lead platinum and uh, lead gold project myself. I've been involved with uh, at least six lead platinum, and I'm sure Matt has been involved Absolutely. probably with more. Um, we see that, uh, I, actually I was encouraged this morning to see the discussion about water conservation as an issue because this is something that uh, I've uh, uh, been very uh, uh, interested in and, and, and passionate about. Um, Obviously, we can start with uh, the standard water-saving fixtures. We know a lot about that. But then uh, we need to recognize that over 50% of the water usage of a facility such as this does not have to be drinkable, does not have to come from the city tap. And the secret of doing this is to recognize what non-potable assets you have on the site and being able to route those to the appropriate place. So for example, uh, the drain water from showers and hand sinks is great for irrigation if it's delivered directly to the plants by trickle irrigation. We can harvest the rainwater from the roof and put it directly into our cooling towers. And the HVAC condensate, the water that you get from dehumidifying the air, and it's of course very humid 
here for much of the season. That's a lot of water. That's pure water. That's distilled water. You can, if you don't wash your hair in it, you can certainly use it to uh, to uh, flush the toilet. So the the secret is finding low risk, cost effective measures to meet your uh, sustainability goals. From the standpoint of energy efficiency, we start with the building and its envelope. With the building envelope, we see it as not only functional, but also iconic. Uh, as uh, the envelope consultant, we'll be balancing the iconic nature of the design along with the guest experience. So being able to bring in daylight while also uh, preventing overheating due to the, any excessive sun. We see this balance as a critical component of not only sustainability, but also resiliency. The envelope being designed to withstand the winds uh, that uh, can be experienced here from time to time. With the rest of the systems in the building, the air conditioning, the ventilation, even the provision of domestic hot water, there are cost-effective and proven measures that can significantly reduce the energy consumption. As an example, um, uh, uh, a, uh, a strategy that I've made great use of in high-rise uh, hotels and office buildings in New York City is cogeneration for the production of domestic hot water. I think I uh, just want to introduce Jared Click, who is our, um, will be on site uh, and our Vice President uh, for Matthews of Design and Construction. Let's talk about schedule. Thanks, Dave. So as we all know, there's a lot of pretty pictures, a lot of things we've talked about. There's still a lot to do. Um, so what's on the screen is just a quick overview of schedule of what we think it'll take to deliver the project. Um, design, um, being a design, I'm sorry, can everybody hear me? Normally I don't have a complaint about that. Um, being a design build and our approach to this is we're going to focus on the design by a package, uh, what it takes to facilitate construction, uh, what it takes to get the job started um, and keep it going. So we've met early on uh, with City of Fort Lauderdale. Um, we've talked to other agencies. Um, there is a, as you all are aware, quite a process to go through the development review committee, different agencies with the port. Corps of Engineers um, and in the city of Fort Lauderdale itself. Um, we have those timelines accounted for. Um, design process, um, obviously a lot of interaction from you guys. This is your marquee, this is your, um, your baby per se. Uh, we recognize that. Um, we, we do a lot of these projects. Um, we're doing one in Philadelphia that was mentioned earlier. Um, it's it keyed the city for a, for a private individual. We're right up against the busiest corner of uh, city center. Um, so we, we understand uh, what it takes to keep you guys going, keep you involved. Uh, we'll have meetings throughout um, the process, design charrettes, um, as we're creating these packages, making sure that we're meeting your needs, um, both on a weekly basis. And then as we get to the completion of each package, um, let you guys do a full review, comment, um, and give us feedback that we will then address and follow up on through the next phase. Um, construction, as you can see, um, kicking off in November with the demolition of the terminal. Uh, we know you guys have a lease that runs through then. Um, and that brings us through a soft opening late summer 2020. Um, here's just a picture of the schedule. Not really much to talk through there. Um, now the meat and potatoes. I always get to follow the pretty pictures um, and 
I'm going to bore you guys with some of the details, but um, this is one of the most important aspects that we'll deal with on your project, and that is the sequence of operations. Um, obviously, safety is a key concern. You've got a beautiful facility. You attract large uh, clients, large conventions. How do we make sure that those conventions aren't impacted? Um, so what we've proposed in this plan um, is to keep our traffic there on 17th, accessing and exiting through uh, one side of the property, allowing Eisenhower uh, to remain open to um, just the traffic for terminals and uh, the convention center. We're also going to leave the main drive there at least two to three lanes open at all time. Um, we have uh, fencing, safety barriers. Uh, every entrance to the site will be flagged with certified flagmen to control traffic in and out. Um, our staging there is um, where the proposed intermodal will be. That'll be one of the last pieces to go on, but that'll be predominantly the phasing for the project. Um, our approach to the project as far as um, sequence of construction, uh, we're looking at this project in, as kind of three projects in and of itself. You've obviously got the large hotel tower. You've got a large podium. Uh, we will have teams that will address each one. Those schedules are reflected independent of themselves. Um, and then we have the site. Um, site and demolition, uh, reconfiguration of the parking garage, all very critical. Um, obviously throughout this process, meeting with the convention center staff, creating look ahead schedules, having weekly meetings, understanding your calendar, you know, when are your large events, when are your citywides, um, when can we not take a delivery off 17th because of the volume of traffic. Um, we've done this with the city of Dallas uh, when we built the Dallas Omni. Um, and honestly, it's a, it's a process that we're very well able to do. Um, based on that, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Bob. Bob's going to talk about the uh, financing side of the project and, and give uh, everyone a quick recap of that. This is new to me. We'll just push forward. I've got a bit of a cold. Can I be heard? <clears throat> okay, thank you. Uh, it, it's good to be back. It's been many years. Uh, we're excited about the opportunity. Um, I, I, I can say more of those sorts of things that are unnecessary. Let me give you the information that we've gathered from the marketplace, give you an idea as to how we estimated the subsidy, give you an idea as to <clears throat> why we've enhanced why we appreciate the architect's plan so much because we feel that the changes that have been made increase the guest level of satisfaction. I believe when those plans were provided to the operating companies, that in part was responsible for the excellent REVPAR um, that the hotel produces. But let me start by saying that we've had conversations and sometimes more conversations than we like because they call a lot. It's, it, it's great to be an area where you have five hotel companies that are anxious to come in. All of them have agreed to neutrality agreements. Uh, Hyatt, Hilton, Marriott, Sheraton. Uh, Sheraton will soon be in the Marriott chain uh, and Omni. In doing the calculations, since it is inappropriate in the hospitality industry to be sharing individual performance from different companies, it's just not permitted when they provide a 
confidential pro forma. What we've done is we've taken off the highest and the lowest and we've based the subsidy request in the middle of the pack. I've heard some comments today about changes in design. Those can all be accommodated to, to the equity and to your satisfaction. Uh, it, it's simply a matter of getting the, the operator choice made and working with them. <clears throat> Again, the performance has, is from four of the operators, they range between 78 and 80 percent. Uh, from four of the operators, the average daily rate was in the $240 rate in inflated dollars. So that would be about six years out or so. Uh, and the op one operator gave us a thousand key pro forma. I, I don't want it to appear that, that the, the proposal said we would not do a thousand key hotel, uh, but the operator's preference was so strong for 800 room hotels uh, that we felt that only one of the companies wanted to um, give a pro forma for the thousand. Uh, we have pro formas from all of them in 800s. And if the county decides it wants to go forward with subsidizing a thousand-room hotel, we can we can work to for a proper subsidy. That's I I tell the story um, in Omaha when I was asked, can we afford to do this? And I said to the to the city attorney, I said, you're a AAA city, you can do whatever you like. If um, you just need to be you just need to be careful with your expenditures and make sure they make sense. Okay. Can anybody read the numbers on the screen? I know 12:30 is fastly approaching. So, are we? You want us to wrap it up by then, or? Well, 12:30, um, we're going to break. Do you all have a lot longer in your presentation? The, the financing will only take two or three minutes. Sure. More. I'm sure there'll be more Q&A on about finances and trying to answer all in a presentation. Okay. The reason for these pages. Yeah. Two, I guess. Start over. You don't want to rush through it. Right, because we're, we're going to pick it back up at 2 o'clock. Right, okay. Um, so why don't we go, do, do you want, I mean, we can break now if you have a kind of a presentation and we can come back at 2. Yeah, if you have, if it's 2 or 3 minutes, go for it's it. On, uh, yeah. It's only several more. Yeah, two minutes. Yeah, okay. We're almost done. We're, okay, go for we're it. We're just about yeah. done. Sure. The, the, the purpose of these pages is to show that we didn't pull out of the air the subsidies, that there's, there's a lot of science behind them. And these are the, uh, these are the data points that you're, your um, consultants asked for to prove out what the what the subsidy would be. Uh, as we agree with your consultants that the subsidy required, I'm sorry, that the yield required, the internal rate of return is somewhere between eight and a half and thirteen and a half percent, depending upon where you are in life. We chose the middle of that for a working point. It may be it may be twelve and a half. It may be. 11 and three quarters, I, we can't tell you that until we have the entire plan in front of us with an operator chosen. Uh, the set, we've run the numbers and we'll answer in detail later, both on a leveraged and an unleveraged basis, meaning one, the owner brings all cash, the other is the owner gets a mortgage. It's very difficult to compare um, apples and oranges. We like to look at a leveraged return uh, because then you have apples to apples. It's not a particular owner's cost of capital because they're taking more risk that will affect their return. Uh, th these next slides are here primarily to show we have had success in, uh, in, in P3s. 
every one of those deals was different. Every one is a one-off. Every, every city, every county has different tools to work with. We look forward to the opportunity of working with your experts as to how we can make a more efficient subsidy for you. Uh, again, I, you've had these letters before. I'm not going to go through them again. But these are letters of recommendation from projects from P3s that are done uh, where mayors and treasurers and city managers have complimented the work we've done and have been satisfied with the subsidy requirements. Uh, and that would bring it back to Jack to wrap up. So in, uh, in 30 seconds or less, the, uh, we understand uh, timelines. Um, in response to uh, one question, we look forward to working with CBEs and the, and the DBEs in, in the area. We, we enjoy that process. We, we want to be responsive, and we have a, a good understanding, and we're always open to understanding even in, in a better way. Um, the big we, which is, which is really everyone in this room, we need to create a very special place. And when you look at design and talk about changing design, we are totally open to that. We understand it. It's, it's not a decision where you change one little thing. And you can, it's easy to fix one thing. It's hard to fix 15 things all at once, but that's, we, we enjoy doing that and, and working at it. We're, so we're flexible on the design. We just, we just want to drive the best thing we can. Um, at the end of the day, our job, as we see it, is not to build a great hotel. It's to build something that makes the convention center much, much better. And in doing that, we have to build a great hotel and how it works together. And we're, thank you very much for, uh, for listening to us. And we tried to give you a little taste of a bunch of different things. And hopefully, I was somewhat successful. It was a, a very, very detailed uh, presentation. Uh, with that said, we're going to break now. And uh, we'll reconvene at 2 o'clock. Thank you.